0: Hello and welcome to the Songwriters in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Chris Klamecki. Today I have a very special guest. Eric Tingstad. Welcome, Eric. Thank
1: you, Chris. I would think that everybody that's on your pod, though, would be a special, special guest. If you heard my intro, everyone is a very special guest. But, uh, Thank you. you know,
0: very honored to have you here well, it's today. great to be here. Um, Thank you. Uh, great to talk with you. Uh, you have such a, a great uh, Seattle history in, in mm. the music scene here. Um, lots to talk about. Um, maybe you could give a... a Summary intro of your many ex- escapades uh, um, and adventures, uh, and then uh, we'll we'll dive deep into uh, into the coolest. Yeah, moments.
1: yeah. Well, first, then, just to give you an idea, I should probably let you know that I'm in my late fifties. So, started playing guitar when I was about eight or nine uh, back in the early sixties, and so was a child of the sixties and grew, you know bam there were the beatles to completely turn things around you know and and i just got into music right then and there and started writing songs and having rock bands you know uh, through junior high and and high school and right out of high school in, in the area right exactly yeah. yeah i mean where did i i went to, well, the bellingham was where i went to junior high So that's pretty much where I had my first junior high band, and then we moved down to Whidbey Island, the Oak Harbor Coupeville area, and I had rock bands there, and then we had our rock band on the island, and then we moved. All we moved to Seattle in the mid, late seventies, seventy-seven, something like that. Okay. Um, I graduated high school in seventy-three and took about a year and a half off, and then started attending um, music at Western University, studying classical guitar up there from seventy-four the 78 so you really dug into the the music training yeah I really did I mean I I realized you know looking around at the different kinds of talent that different people had and I thought okay what can I do I mean I and I realized that if I could really hone in on this finger style guitar picking thing and really get some killer technique you know I'd Figured I did have the muscle dexterity to do that. I was never going to be blazingly fast, but Mm -hmm. if I could just learn how to really create a a sweet tone and understand, you know, the lyricism, be able to produce lyricism on the guitar, then, then um, that might be my niche. You felt that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really amazing timing because by the late 70s now, along comes the Wyndham Hill School of, you know, of acoustic folk instrumentals, which I immediately got sucked into and became a part of. And the whole George Winston scene and Will Ackerman and I was playing guitar, Shadowfax, we were doing shows and stuff. And, um, I did a couple of solo guitar albums in 82 and 84 on my own. Um, and, uh, then in 85, I, uh, did an album called the gift and i had teamed up with nancy rumble for that and that garnered a fair amount enough of attention to where we ended up getting a a, a major record deal by well, 87 i believe so and you then were off and running I mean, that, that really, was pretty much off and running really and that was it. all the, again part of the whole new acoustic new age you know again just luck it's a lot of the music industry is is winning the lottery, mm-hmm. but when you win that lottery, you got to be prepared to exactly. deal with that. You know, what am I going to do with all this money? Well, hopefully, you have your financial infrastructure in place, and that's a, sort of the same thing with the music industry. Is you know, you just need to get that break, either socially or timing wise or technology. There's so many different factors that right. that play it into. Um, my getting an opportunity, but you
0: were in it, and you know, right. when it happened, yeah. you were ready to take I was advantage. Ready,
1: of it. ready, and willing, and able to to uh, to dial it in there. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that
0: that's part of I think creating. Creating your own success is being able to make the most of the opportunities when they do come because oh, absolutely. it can sometimes feel very rare, right? Yeah. and so uh, But they I, I believe they do happen. Oh, yeah, that, sure, yeah. Um, and
1: they happen in, and we don't even notice them. Exactly. Sometimes they just exactly. zip right on by and you've either maybe, you know, the wrong went to the wrong coffee shop you said the wrong thing or you know and then somebody who was standing there you you know had you said something differently could have led to you know a different batch of opportunities so and you just never know you never never know yeah until it happens so
0: and so that led to you know really your your major uh New recordings and touring and yeah, I mean, we well, really let's
1: you know, happened. we had the major record deal f- until 2004. We won the Grammy in 2003, and <laughs> oddly enough, that was the last record on a three three sets of four recordings it was our oh, 13th wow. album wow. for Narada yes, Virginia really we'd it. been working on a long time and I tell you when we won lucky number 13 and <laughs> it was our last record on the deal. And so they wanted to re-sign and the lawyer said, you know, there's some really strange stuff going on in the music industry right now. Well, let's just see how some of this stuff is going to shake out. And to a lot of people, yeah, 2004 was sort of the beginning of the end of the old model and the beginning of of the new model. And so we just never re-signed back up. Um, I have a really wonderful distinction of never being dropped from a major label. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the biggest feather in my cap, as far as I'm concerned, is never being dropped from a major label, just moving on. Well, yeah, and that's a heck of a way to
0: end it with a Grammy. I mean, and then to be able to uh, feel you had that choice, right? And that you could be successful... Whichever direction yeah. you went and with the changing and mm-hmm. evolving music industry. Yeah, and um, it's just
1: been a blast ever since. I mean, it's just a riot, as you know. It's just so much fun. Yeah. to, <laughs> If you're motivated, there's just so much stuff you can do, definitely. Fantastic.
0: Well, we'll dive into that right. in just a minute. Let's play a song so that people uh, understand uh, what what kind of music we're talking about here. Um, your new album, Badlands. Yep. Uh, we want to play the title track from that. You want to tell us about that song real quick? And then we'll maybe dive sure, into the band sure. and the album the, a little um, bit later.
1: Uh, I, I specifically wrote this song for Cindy Cash Dollar, who was the she was for many years the uh, lap steel, uh, non pedal steel, like steel guitar player in uh, Sleep at the Wheel, mm-hmm. and heard her play a couple of times in Texas, and she's a fantastic lyricism much like Nancy Rumble on her woodwind instruments. I noticed Cindy had this wonderful thing that just really ripped my heart out well, so, yeah, so
0: the, that resonated with, it you really resonated with me thing.
1: and we'd been planning to do some recordings together for a couple three or four years i think at least three and um i wrote this melody you know for her to play and she says well you play it just fine <laughs> giving her the demo and i go no don't so no she really really <laughs> took it up and then she's actually doing almost A duet battle out, you know, shakedown with um, Andrew Joslin, our very own Seattle-based, you know, violin fiddle player who's playing with Macklemore right now. You must know, Uh must know, Andrew. Wonderful player. Very nice.
0: All right, so uh, this is the song Badlands from the, the same titled album. This is Eric Tingstad and his band. With Eric Tingstad, and you can uh, hear more of his uh, Badlands project, get to know all about uh, what he is doing these days at erictingstad.com. Go figure. Yeah, go (laughs) E R I C. T-I-N-G-S-T-A-D.com. so uh, awesome to uh, to hear uh, a song off of Badlands tell us a little bit about uh, the the self-described or at least on your website ambient Americana yeah right and sort of how you've arrived from you know what what we just talked about in the
1: in the 80s and, and sure. coming up
0: through that and the Grammy and then um, ambient Americana well
1: uh, I've been really trying to figure it out myself here <laughs> <laughs> because um, I'm yeah, I'm really hell bent on country music and Americana right now and I have been. This is what 2012. So it's pretty much been my passion for the last 10 or 12 years okay. again. You know, I picked up playing the pedal steel guitar myself and nice. I just really love to Travis pick and and kind of do that. But you know, I think I was into that many many years ago. And because I even really loved those real rootsy elements of Led Zeppelin and the stuff that the Beatles did, even when they got kind of rootsy, that was always, yeah, yeah. the country things were even... That's what connected one... with Yeah, them. it really did. And, you know, my earliest remembrances of music were my grandmother's hi-fi, well, lo-fi player, big, <laughs> big, huge box with all the colors and things on it, playing the, you know, the, the... Johnny Horton and and um, and Hank Williams mm. and you know some of that beautiful stuff out of the fifties, which I I have a pretty good sized collection of that music right yeah. now. I've gone back because now they got all the retro recordings on CD, and it's it's so much fun. And then so then I I went through the whole rock and roll thing and listened to a lot of that. Um. And then when the, I did, like I said, the classical studies, but this whole Wyndham Hill School, when it came back, and the whole Leo Kodke kind of thing that mm. was really resonated with me a lot. And particularly the, the more countryfied aspects of it. But you know what? When we got into the market became what was called New Age, they really... I, there wasn't really room for me to do that. Yep, they wanted yep. the pretty ballads, you know, the shadow dancers and those. And not, those.
0: not much uh, country. Or, no, uh, not a lot of Telecaster <laughs> yeah, twang right, going exactly. on in
1: that. But one of the things that, that I would write... Um, uh, one of the genres. See, what happens for me is, is that the music just kind of pours out a lot of different genres. I've got an inner Motown, mm-hmm. you know, I've got an inner funk thing. I don't know where it comes from, but I don't deny it. I just come up with the stuff, I just put it on a riff yes. and put yeah. it in a folder and go, well, maybe someday. So, I, w- I had these these stylings that I called ambient Americana that that really had these elements of the Southwest desert. Okay, you know, um, would use the Native American flutes and the and the drums, and that was really popular in New Age. There was a huge whole Native American element to that, and every time Nancy and I would write a song or record like that, people really, really resonated with that. So what happened was that I was. As as these songs would come to me, um, I would put them in like a little folder, mm-hmm. you know, and then just just put them aside and 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 collect them. And I started doing that in about the mid '90s, and by 2004, 2005, I had enough to do Southwest, okay, which was which was the first record where I just really now really combined my country, mm-hmm. almost cowboy. Poetry, campfire, cowboy sound, um, introducing the pedal steel guitar with a Native American flute, and just really cross pollinating mm-hmm. those two genres. And focused on
0: that yeah. vision yeah.
1: for the music. And it was, it was, I tell you that, Chris, that record was so easy to make. And I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to Tom Holland. I said, "Why is this record?" The easiest one we've ever made, and he says because we have intent. Every, we know exactly what we want to do. Mm-hmm. So every production question or composition question or instrument question is answered by the overarching, you know, vision of yeah, what we're and would trying you say to do. To
0: some extent, you had that maybe pent up is the wrong word, but like were you sort of saving that it was it was really the time to to get that out there yeah
1: well the interesting way the that that album was recorded and structured was is it started out with the percussion i got a hold of a fellow named tim miller local guy who was really great hand drummer brought him into the studio and just had him play like 60 seconds two minutes worth of of any rhythm he wanted, I gave him the tempo oh, okay. and the time signature, and said, uh, "You know, try that frame drum." And <laughs> then he would just play. And what that did for me was allowed me to not have to play so much on my guitar. I could really just okay, there's the running eighth notes, right? You know, and the, the percussion, up, right? yeah, just really opened it up. Opened up a whole new way of writing for me. So now it wasn't so much guitar yeah, based. Ask you how and,
0: those songs got written, yeah. So. It was, it was sort of yeah. groove mm-hmm. and, and... Yeah,
1: well, mm-hmm. we were all told by our composition instructors, I'm sure you were too, don't write on your main instrument. <laughs> you, know, you have to write on other instruments. And that was really probably the first instance that I really took that lesson to heart, you know, what, 25 years later. But, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but fantastic. Still, yeah. yeah, to really yeah. Get, that, get that. And out. then what happened was as soon as Southwest was released, I ended up being connected with... Um, Byron Metcalf, who's down in Prescott, Arizona, and Byron is one of your the probably the more preeminent frame drummer in the United States in the world. He's fantastic. We just connected, and he said, "Hey, I'd love to send you some loops. Can can I Uh, can I get in on this too?" And I said, "Yeah, let's do this." So he sent me like a couple, two or three batches of you know three or four loops. And so that was basically the footprint right there for Badlands, and they were much more aggressive okay. than Tim's just beefier and heavier um and then that really called for a, a much just just a heftier recording yeah uh-huh. it just built from there and Ben Smith from Heart's playing you know the kit playing the drum kit and playing pretty fiercely so still yeah. in
0: the same style yeah, yeah. This sort. Of- Amer- ambient Americana that you had yeah, defined, this we, sort of southwest feel yeah, but with lit. some different
1: different guts to it. A little bit more Texas. Okay. You know, moving okay. a little bit more west toward Texas. Of course, there's Cindy's elements that are in there. Yeah. There's no Native American flute on Badlands so it's not one of the feet. It, that was replaced by the fiddle so then brings mm-hmm. a little bit more of the Americana element into there. All right. Well, yeah.
0: well, let's hear another song. Uh, tell me about Jornado.
1: Well, now, is probably the best example on Badlands of of the song that was really geared towards that native american spirit um if any song was going to have the, the flute in it this would have been the one but um we managed to cover all the elements uh boy i think uh i think andrew plays the violin on this oh, okay. yeah uh, yeah yeah beautiful so, yeah anything else you want to say about the band or the instrumentation that uh, uh was, no um... i think you know it got Terry Lauber is playing the pedal steel on there, yeah. Yeah, people say, well, which is you playing the pedal steel, and which is Terry, and which is Cindy? And I go, well, if it's really, really cool, it's either Terry or Cindy. (laughs) You don't take any credit for it. Not for the cool stuff, no. No, I'm just playing kind of fundamental rhythm pedal steel, yeah.
0: All right, awesome. Well, uh, here is uh, the song Jornado from Eric Tingstad's Badlands. back with Eric Tingstad, I should say Grammy Award winning <laughs> Eric Tingstad. <laughs> you ever get tired of hearing that?
1: <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, it's, it's great. Uh, great to have you here. Thanks um, so much. I'm really interested to dive in because um, we, we just touched on some of the songwriting on Badlands, mm-hmm. but tell me more about your songwriting process, different ways that you've approached songwriting in the past um, and then we'll touch on how you actually go about producing and, and
1: making. That yeah, so start yeah. with
0: songwriting and and uh, what your approach or approaches have been. Sure.
1: Well, as you know, my I'm purely instrumental. I mean, I do work with lyricists and have, but that's always pretty much a team effort. And then and a lot of how that comes about is is that. I will have um, what I call a shell or an idea mm-hmm. that I've written, and then I will hand that off or I'll give them you know half a dozen things which whichever one resonates with you. Um, because what happens for me is a, I just am kind of a conduit for I- for ideas. They just kind of mm-hmm. happen, and sometimes it, it happens actually in a couple of ways. Sometimes it'll just I'll just pick up the guitar, and the first thing that I'll play will kind of be like a riffy sort of compositional idea. Something to catch on. Yeah, doing. and I go oh, dear. and it's kind of frustrating because I kind of go you know I just really wanted to play my guitar, and now <laughs> I have to stop, get out some paper, or worse yet, you know, turn on the studio right, right. and fire it up. So the best thing to do is always have the studio fired up and ready to record, so you're one button away. (laughs) But I also find that if I get into Phases of where I'm playing a lot um, Like just in the evenings, like with this weather we've had, it's just been so much fun to just play for like three or four hours outside. And you and, can. Yep. Everybody's in bed, gone to bed, and you can just stay up. And I live far enough away from my neighbors and stuff that I don't think it keeps them up. <laughs> right. But I just right. play my acoustics, so it's, it's not a problem there. And then, yeah, then if the ideas will come, then I'll I'll record them. I'll just hit the play button and it'll be little snippets here and there. But. I work on songs for a lo- for a long time. Um, I just keep playing them over and over again, and, and discovering the little nuances and different ways to you know to play something. And the benefit to that is then they're memorized. Right. You know, which is really a cool thing. I uh, so to have to carry, yeah, yeah. I have to carry around a bunch of charts and stuff. I I do every once in a while if I write a song that has to be charted out because it just happened, mm-hmm. or I co-write it with Nancy or, or somebody else. Then so that's always a little bit of, a little a little cumbersome. But um, no, I'm with you there. Yeah,
0: I am definitely up the school where it's like. If I can't remember it, you know, if I can't keep playing it, then it wasn't worth it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. So, yeah. I'll, 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 but I'll then, then I'll
1: apply, you know, what what's called the learned techniques of, you know, of counterpoint and composition mm-hmm. where you just go, okay, let's see. Now, if I was Bach and I came up with this, what would, you know, What would, <laughs> what would <laughs> Beethoven? <do? laughs> what would Beethoven do? What would Bach do? Yeah, you know, what funny. would, you know, a trained composer, you know, do as opposed to just continually wait for the ideas? And sometimes we do that, too. Mm-hmm. So
0: do you do that from this sketch pad of ideas or are you usually sort of focusing, honing in on on a particular thing when you go, all right, I'm going to really start thinking of this a little more formally?
1: Yeah, like I did that today. I mean, there's a song I've been working on here for the last few days and I've been actually working on it. off and on for a couple of years and really want to get it finished up. And it's such a fun song to play on the guitar that I just, you know, it's more about enjoying the, the moment and yeah. the tone of the guitar. Cause I really love beautiful sounds and, 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 and really fun guitars. You know, when they sound great, is a lot of fun, but then I'd say go, no, I know that I'm going to have to come up with something <laughs> you know, around the fifth. I mean, you know, the, yeah. you know, okay, here's the one chord. Now I, I'm in key and G. G Really, you know, the whole element of being on the fifth, you know, yeah. the, the dominant there is uh, is open to me. So I'll work on that, see if I can come up with something there.
0: And then do you – how often do you go back to this sort of sketch pad of ideas and go, oh, there was a gem that I – forgot about. Maybe I'll pick that up. Or you know, Well, like boy, that. that's
1: the frustrating thing. I, if I ever get a chance to ask Paul McCartney a question, the one <laughs> first and only question will be, so how many songs do you have that aren't finished? Right. And if he says, oh, I've got hundreds of songs that aren't finished, then I'll go, oh, I don't feel so bad. <laughs> but if he says, no, I usually finish every one that I start, then I'm just, I you know, I'll just take a long walk off a short pier cuz I've got uh, yeah I've got more things unfinished than I do finished and I think that my catalog my BML catalog right now is at about 200 titles okay. and I probably easily have that many things Tucked in files. Now, I wouldn't remember them, these songs, if we didn't have the computer to record them. i just going to say the technology sort of
0: allows for that.
1: It does. And then it forces us maybe to not finish things too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of go, well, well, I'll put that down. I'll get back to it. but uh, And have you
0: always written like that, sort of organically Mm -hmm. in
1: Sketchpad? Yep. 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 Even when I didn't have the computer, whatever, it was the same process of just playing the song over and over again and then having it memorized and, and, uh, yeah. Okay. Just forcing so, it that okay, way. so
0: cool. So, if you put a song together, what's your process for producing it, or, I mean, which I'm sure changes with depending on the people you're working sure, with Sure. 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 You're sure. self producing from the beginning or more yeah. just recently? Or? Uh,
1: no, I've always self produced. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but. Truth be, truth be, Chris, I really have only figured that I call myself a producer in the last three or four years, <laughs> okay. four or five years. Now I kind of think I know what I'm doing and I listen to the old recordings from the 80s and, you know, and I listen to those that I did help production help with. And I go, oh, gosh, those are so much better, as oh, opposed yeah. to the ones that I, you know, tried to do on my own, you know, thinking I was I was a producer because, you know, you can it's so easy to learn all the tricks and the rules of producing but it just takes time, you know. It mm-hmm. takes 30 years of trying to mic a piano before you really, now, you know, a couple of weeks you can learn the textbook approach okay. to it, but it's, as you know. It's learning the hear. It's, it's, it's learning to hear ear, yeah. what goes on there. Um I, particularly, like, as an example, I, I kind of have a, since I know the way my guitar sound and kind of what's going on there, um, I kind of have a, just have a, kind of a little bit different formula that kind of works out that way mm-hmm. um, for stuff. I don't know if that makes any sense. But, but you
0: know what's going to sound Yeah,
1: good. I kind of know what's going to sound good as opposed to when I'm working a production with another client who's a vocalist. My M.O. with them is to get them to come in and do a couple of tunes with their one songwriting instrument, either the guitar or their keyboard, mm-hmm. play the guitar or the keyboard part. If, if really, if they can play it to a click track, then that's all the better, isn't yeah. it? And then have them sing to that and then not listen to that guitar anymore and just listen to the vocal. Now, the cool thing about that is that is the, the, the drummer, or excuse me, the, the, the songwriter, the singer-songwriter is so entrenched with the guitar, that's really their songwriting performance on the guitar. That's all they kind of hear. Now right. I kind of come in with fresh ears, and I go, you know, guitar's really not your best friend, <laughs> or the, yeah. particularly the piano. A lot of people like to sing and play and write on the piano, and that can be a real quagmire. Only mm-hmm. just a few people, I think, sing well, and the, comp- the piano playing complements their vocals. I really love just stripping it back, and the first thing I'll go for is I'll find the ki- almost the kick drum pattern. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to the voice, and I'll say, "Okay, what kind of drum kit's going to go with that?" Because somebody told me a few years ago, "Say, well, you know, the most two most important elements of pop music are the vocals and the drums." Everything else supports that. We walk away with the drums and that's rock and roll and we listen to the lyrics and the vocals. And if you think about it, you know that's so true. Yeah, and in even in a lot it, of cases.
0: Even if you turn the volume way down, say on your radio or something, yeah. I mean that's what you hear. You yeah, hear yeah, the snare and Yeah. And you hear the vocal on top. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, mixed that way, it's pushed you know, when it's done well, I think that is what really Drives
1: yeah. the song. Yeah, And just, and then from there, figuring out the instruments that support, support the voice. Um, you know, as an example, the way we were talked about in the workshop that I had with the class, um, the idea of what I call singer-songwriter guitar. And that is, again, is, is that if, as an example, if you get the Beatles songbook mm-hmm. and you open up the page to Nowhere Man and you play the chords on the top, and you sing along with it. We're going to know you're singing nowhere, man. Right. But you're nowhere even near as close to what the Beatles chose to use as their instrumentation to support that vocal line. Very rarely did the Beatles dominate with like a singer, song, writer, guitar. Once in a while they did. And when they did, it certainly did work. But right. um, a lot of times they had, you know, just this orchestration. And you feel going
0: that on. was... Uh the genius of george martin or do you think that was uh, their yeah. own their own uh, sort of desire to be pushing the, the envelope
1: that was them you know i think for years i'm uh, no but i can't even take, begin to take any credit away from george martin but i think that our idea of what we thought of what i thought a producer was and did his job mm-hmm. was a little bit more Overbearing and more dominating than the way, really, the way George Martin worked with the Beatles. He didn't have to. I mean, he kind of came from the old school of monitoring and making sure that these sessions were efficient. But as you read the books about how the sessions went, it was really the just the unbelievable, unparalleled genius of those guys. I mean, there's not. Is there anybody been any sense? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there has been, but sure. it's the sheer size of their catalog that's just so mind-boggling. You know, we like to say we tease as you know, any band could make a, a almost a full career on of any one Beatles song. You know, what if you were the band that just did Nowhere Man? Well, you'd still probably be remembered as the band that did that song or a Hard Day's Night or or Yesterday. It's also but,
0: toughest to be first, right? I mean, that, yeah. that they were the first to really make that work and make it happen at such a high level. Yeah, um,
1: well they were you know, prepared. Define, defines, uh, you know, I think. Well, they were prepared. They were probably the, the and when you talk to uh hear people like uh you know, Ken Scott, you know, talk about engineering with them and mm-hmm. the producers and engineers when they you know, in their books and talk about working with the Beatles how how good they really were. They'll <laughs> you know, talk about, yeah, Jimmy Hendrix was great, and this guy was great, and this guy was great, but oh Working with the Beatles, just you know clearly the best, so that's that's the model that's, and that's kind of you know the age group that you know I always thought, you what know who learned from well, yeah, know, sometimes coming. I think I don't want to use the word disadvantaged, but certainly, not knowing any better that that ultimate standard was probably not really attainable, we just kind of thought, well, all we have to do is be really, really good right, and we'll be well to we'll some make extent
0: it. um. You know, listening to that and, you know, ear, it goes back to ear training, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you get the sound in your head um, at an early age, I think, of, of what that, you know, what that should sound like, what that level, that high level is, and sort of be aware of, you know, that's what you're doing. You're sort of picking it yeah, apart yeah. with your ear. Um, you know, that's that's fantastic education, you yeah. know, that sticks with you and, and is part of the music experience that you can then bring to the table, you know, you know, at when you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, later.
1: or you keep trying. That's <laughs> exactly, for sure. you keep man, trying. Oh, you at man. least
0: know what the, the goal is, right? Well, um, we're running out of time, so I want to get, if you would, a live performance. Sure. Would you play a song for yeah, us?
1: Yeah, yeah. So what song would you like to play for us? Well, I, this is a... a a solo guitar rendition reduced version of a song from Badlands. It's called the boot whisperer. And, uh, it's about a, about a woman that lives in Wimberley, Texas that runs a cowboy boot shop. And she, nice. uh, she's the boot whisperer. She kind of goes into this little mini trance when you're with <laughs> her and she, cause she doesn't sell new boots. They're all vintage cowboy boots they that have, have that, a story, have, that right? have a story, that nice. have a size and a shape. And, and so, uh, when I put the piece together, I thought, you know, this, this is a perfect person to title this one for.
0: That's fantastic. I love it. So uh, here's Eric Tingstad with a uh, unique in-the-studio performance of The Boot Whisperer. Fantastic, Eric. Thank you so much for playing oh, for coming here tonight. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Real pleasure. It's
0: absolutely been a pleasure. I hope everyone out there is inspired and uh, you know, checks out erictingstad.com and buys Badlands. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think there's uh, so much great music that you've put together oh, over thank the you. years. Yeah. So uh, oh,
1: yeah. so
0: thank you for, you know, giving us some insight and a uh, little history on everything. You bet. And you know and,
1: anybody want to give it. me a shout and pick my brain? Got some ideas doors always open. Awesome. Really, yeah.
0: really appreciate that about you. You've been really open with songwriters in Seattle and, and Great uh,
1: outfit. being a part of that. So, all
0: right, we will uh, see you again soon. Hopefully talk to you again soon for everyone else. Uh, go to EricTingstad.com, SongwritersInSeattle.com, songwriters in And I'm of course at Chris Those are all easy. They're exactly what, uh, what they sound like. So, uh, I will see you again next month for uh, more of the Songwriters in Seattle podcast. So for Eric Tinkstad, Songwriters in Seattle, I'm Chris Pomecki saying stay original.